So obviously, you got to talk 20 years of letting go, talk about the whiskey show, catch up, get your opinion on a couple things, man. But let's dig dig into the album. I always like to start with the album. Letting go 20 years, man, 20 years. They always say that you have your whole life to write your first album, your debut album. And kind of curious, was that the case for you guys? Did you have the album all done or were there a couple tunes that were written in the studio? No, I mean, we basically wrote all but maybe two or three songs on that record uh, when we got into the studio. That's really all the songs that we had when we were starting out back then. We had like four songs, maybe part of a fifth one. We just wanted to play out. So we kind of rushed through the process a little bit because we were so antsy to get out and play. And, And after our first show, which we only played three or four songs is when we started getting a lot of label attention. So we never were playing more than four or five songs a show. And it's weird, but wow. uh, so yeah, when we, when we got our record deal, when we finally, you know, formally inked it, we only had about five songs. And I think out of that five, only three of them actually made it. And the rest we had to write. So all kind of writing in the studio. Do you remember which ones you went in with? We went in with uh, a song called My Time, which is the last song. The other one was Wake Up. And, God, what was the other one? Oh, Headstrong. Those were the three songs that we had uh, written prior to getting our record deal that actually made it to the record. All the rest of the songs we wrote post-signing our record deal. Wow. So it was really those three songs on the demo that got you signed. To make it even funnier, we only actually had a one-song demo, and that was <laughs> my time. And it was it was a song that we recorded on our own at a buddy of ours who had a little you know home studio at the time. That was the one song that we had that circulated the labels that they loved, and that's kind of really what started it all. As we started to you know move along the journey toward getting a record deal, Michael Beinhorn who produced Soundgarden's Super Unknown, yeah. Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals, uh, Hole. Yep. So we were playing a, a show at the Dragonfly, which isn't, I don't think is there anymore. Maybe it's back up now. I can't remember. But I think it was our third or fourth show. We were just starting to get a little bit of label attention. And as we're packing up our stuff after we played our show, there's this guy's, you know, short hair and a leather jacket just, like mad dogging. So I, I noticed him a few times and I finally went up to him and just asked him like, is everything cool? Did he like <laughs> the show? And he introduced himself as Michael. I didn't make the connection. And he asked me if I would like to record some songs. And I was like, sure. I could give a card, a studio. And he doesn't have a card. He goes, I'm Michael Beinhorn. And I went, Oh, so we actually went in and we re-recorded three of the songs that we had with him and because he really loved the music and he wanted to help shop the band at the time. So we just had a weird, like really surreal turn of events that just, we went through, which I don't know if other bands went through similar things that we did, but it was just really kind of unorthodox for us. I got to talk to Michael Beinhorn a few years back, but I'm curious, why didn't you use him for the album once you did get signed or did Warner push you into using who they wanted you to use? Well, uh, part of the concern, so when we did the songs of Michael Beinhorn, um, he was working at Atlantic at the time as sort of an A&R scout. So part of the deal was that he would record these songs for us and pay for the studio time if we gave Atlantic a shot at 
signing the band first. So I think our attorney gave him like, and they agreed to it. It was like 30 days or something like that to either, you know, do something or get off the pot type thing. And so once the 30 days, they still hadn't decided yet. So we started, you know, taking around to other labels and labels loved it. The one thing that scared them was the fact that as brilliant as he is and as talented as he is, he evidently had a reputation for going over budget on records. And that scared them for a baby band on the first record that scared them to know that it could go really over budget, which <laughs> in the end we did go way over budget anyways, but it was different <laughs> because we were the Warner brothers, David Consign is who was, uh, produced our record and did an amazing job, but he was also the president of Warner Brothers at the time. So it was of his own doing and his approval that we went over budget in the first place. But that was why we didn't use Beinhorn. He was a great guy, and I loved working with him. Learned a lot from him, actually. And it was really interesting to hear a lot of the stories and the making of the records and bands that I loved, especially Soundgarden. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that super unknown album is a masterpiece. And I know what you're talking about with the over budget because it was Korn's Untouchables where he did that. It was like one of the most expensive albums ever made. Yeah, yeah, that's what they were afraid of. So they, they, uh, you know, we started making other suggestions. Um, but like I said, when we when we signed with Warner Brothers, it was actually David Kahn that, and Matt Abel that signed us. So it, it was it was pretty much understood that that he was you know, going to be in the producer chair uh, if we decided to go with Warner Brothers. And uh, I'm glad we did. I love that record. It seems just like yesterday <laughs> that we made the record. And in fact, I was just listening to it a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't listened to it in a long time. And I really just appreciated the rawness. And it just brought me back to the time when we were writing it. And just a lot of really fond memories of making that record. And the tour, you know, that followed that and, and just, you know, the journey to, you know, to, to where we are now. So it's just, it's, it's been kind of crazy to think that it's, you know, from 2002, that right? <laughs> and the songs were written between two, 1999 and 2001. So that makes it even weirder in a way, but um, love the record. Great. You know, I was going to ask you, too, you know, listening back to it and being 20 years and being a few years since you listened to it, are there any songs in listening back where you're like, hey, I, that's not bad? And then, any, or, or the exact opposite where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. No, I think that I don't, I don't have any of those feelings about the songs. If anything, I feel like, you know, now that I've, you know, matured over the years, you know, in, in producing songs and writing songs is I hear so many more opportunities that we could have, you know, capitalized on in some of the songs that, that if I had it to do over, I might, you know, might've done some things differently just to make them a little more interesting than they already are. But it's funny that you mentioned that or that we're talking about that because I was just talking to the guys the other week and I said, you know, a lot of bands are doing these best of records and it's just, you know, there's nothing interesting to me <clears throat> when I listen to best of records, like it's just, you know, an accumulation of all the songs that, you know, were popular or that the band liked. But I said, what if we did a, an almost best of record of the songs that, you know, as we sort of look back at them and go, we could have done this and it would have been such a better song. What if we did that for the songs that, you know, weren't the big 
hits, but we're close. They were good. They just sort of missed. And so we're kind of contemplating throwing around doing something like that for, you know, sort of compilation album, which I think would be really interesting to kind of flesh out what I'm telling you about. When I listen to some of the songs, I go, Psh, this could have been so much better if I did this, or if the drums did that, or if the guitar did that, or if we wrote this part instead of that part there, you know, or shorten that and lengthen that. Like, just so many things that I just look back and go, <laughs> but, so, that's on the table. Interesting, interesting. Kind of a, a, a remix or a reversion and reimagination of some of the old tunes. And I imagine, too, with technology, what it is today compared to 20 years ago, too, a big help. Yeah, I mean, we, um, David Kahn was, was kind of ahead of the times with all of that. I mean, he was already, you know, heavily, deeply working in, uh, you know, the recording software that is widely used today with Pro Tools and Logic. In fact, he was one of the people that, that these companies were going to, to test um, the software, you know, Pro Tools, Logic, uh-huh. a lot of plug-in companies, uh, because he's such... He's such a techno geek as well as, you know, a music lover. So um, he's been, he's been on this wave since, you know, in its infancy. So um, I think maybe the technology has just been more refined, but, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly there's a lot, lot more that you can do now uh, to make things go quicker, obviously. But I find that even with technology, you know, it's still about the song. You either have a good song or you don't. And you either know what you're going to do and know what you're doing or you don't. You know, we try not to spend too much time overthinking it, you know, with the use of technology, which is easy to do. One more uh, album-related question. I got to ask you the obligatory question, man, especially coming that it came written in the studio. Was Getaway special from the get-go or was it just kind of another tune on the album? Um... You know, Getaway, we actually, the first song that we wrote that the, well, let me back up. So we had My Time, which is kind of a really slower mid-tempo, and we were just really into, like, writing those kind of tempo and feel of songs. And our label kept coming back to us going, they literally said, please stop writing and turning in these funeral dirges. Like, they're (laughs) just so slow and dark. Like, give us something. So the first thing that we actually came up with was Ordinary Girl. And they got real excited about that. But it was when we turned in Getaway that they really lit up and they went, this is it. We don't care what you put on the record now or right. We got the songs. So we were like, okay, <laughs> but, but we have more. So Getaway was just really kind of super organically just came together. Like we didn't have to think about it too hard from either the musical side or the lyrical side. Like it just wrote itself practically. But clearly the label knew what they were getting in that tune the moment they heard it. Yeah. I mean, they, um, I mean, even our manager at the time, Bill McGaffey, who was, uh, you know, big radio promoter back then and still is, but um, when he heard it, that's what made him contact us and wanted to represent us at the time. He's like, you have a massive hit here. Like, let me help you. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where, the stars aligned and the time was right. And we just wrote a really great song, you know, along with a lot of other great songs that we wrote for that record. So it was just the process. We spent a lot of time. I mean, every day we were in, we had a lockout studio at the time and it was like showing up to work every day, except, you know, we'd show up 12, one o'clock, but, <laughs> and we loved being there, but, and we'd be there all day, all night. And we would just, 
throw around music ideas and play them and I miss that. That's the one thing that I miss in technology and because we're all spread out now, we write songs differently than we were doing then all being in the same room. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's a great record. I really, for the first time, I think really appreciated it. And it's so funny to listen to, you know, how much energy my voice had back then. (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, not that I can't do it, but it's just like, wow, like that's, I don't know uh, if I'd come out of the gate swinging for the fences like I did on that record, you know, (laughs) went through, but, but yeah, stoked, stoked that for the process and the fact that, you know, as many people loved it as they did. So for all those things, I'm, I'm grateful and happy for well, dude, I'm grateful that there's a show to celebrate it all coming up here at the Whiskey on December the 9th. And I'm curious and want to kind of unpeel this. Are you playing the album in its entirety or just select cuts? What's the deal with that? In sequence? Yeah, no, we're just going to be playing some select songs off of it. Um, but we're going to try to make the majority of the songs um, from that record. But yeah, it's not going to be in sequence, the whole album. It's more of just sort of a celebration that, you know, we actually got to having a first record come out in the first place and you know the record that kind of you know started the the rock coming down the the hill for us so it should be cool i mean we haven't played los angeles i think the last time was like i want to say 2007. oh wow yeah been a long long time so it'll be interesting to see uh how it all turns out the whiskey i mean we played the last time we played the whiskey was a showcase that we did um, for Fred Durst and somewhere. Oh, wow. It might be on the interwebs. And I think I have a copy here, but if Fred was really, really interested, in fact, that's where we almost signed. And we were about to sign actually before Wonder Brothers came in right at the last second and kind of just swooped in. We were at the whiskey when we were playing and he was literally on stage standing just off to the side where the stairs were the entire show. People were like looking, like going, what, (laughs) which i was kind of thinking the same thing like why is he standing there (laughs) but it was a funny moment in time but that was the last time we played the whiskey was during that showcase damn and cool that uh boy hits cars also on the bill any relationship past tours with those guys no and i think correct me if i'm wrong but i think they came out a little bit before we did because i remember i remember the name but i don't i don't remember listening to the record but i do remember the name so um, I remember seeing it around a lot, actually, back in the day. But um, but I've, I've watched some some live video, and they uh, they look like a pretty energetic band. So I'm I'm stoked to, to see them to see what they do. Yeah, they always bring the twelve string acoustic guitar into rock, which is cool. But I think they were about the same. I think their big album on wind. I think they were on wind up. And it came out like oh one something like that, right around the same time. But great build, some bands from the early 2000s is certainly bringing that sound and looking forward to it. And dude, it was great to finally meet you in person, what, back in September at Five Point Amphitheater, you and Lindsay yes. from Cold. And uh, besides the suffocating yes. heat from that night, any other highlights of that night and watching the bands, talking to the bands backstage? It was already hot, as you pointed out, but we were, I was standing right by... Uh, on one of the sides of the stage and they had, you know, big pyrotechnic flames that kept shooting up. So it just made it even hotter. Uh. I felt like I was cooking. So, um, but, but no, it was, it was good to see a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a long time. And, um, you know how LA shows go. It's kind of, 
you got to do the, uh, you know, the visit, so to speak. And you try to, you know, get to as many people as you can. And I, I got out of there as soon as I got to everybody <laughs> that that I needed to see or saw. So then I was out. I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with the traffic coming out. But, um, but yes, it was very good to meet you finally. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can grab that beer one of these times. Dude, I'm saying we got to, we got to. And, and cool to, to meet Lindsay. That was the first time I had met her. Are you guys old friends? Yeah, we've known each other for three or four years. And um, sweetheart, super talented, smart. I, I would, probably wouldn't have gone to that show had it not been for her. She drugged me, kicking and screaming. She's like, come on, you got to go. You got to go. People want to see you. People want to I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go. But, um, yeah, oh, it was cool. I got to, um, hadn't seen Matt Pinfield in a while. Um, he's, God, man, he's such an encyclopedia of music, man. It's just unbelievable. Out of all the conversations that I had, that, that was probably the most, uh, intriguing just because of the sheer knowledge of of music and his passion about it is just insane so there was that and that dude's been through a lot dude had a lot of struggles and battles and good to see him out there and healthy again yep 100 percent. he looks great great spirits it's awesome to see him Dude, I appreciate all the time. Last thing I got to bug you with, because we're an old school station, we do mandatory Metallica. I know you're a massive fan. Last time we talked, you told that rad story about meeting Hetfield at the Rainbow. But I wanted to take, oh, yeah. take a slightly different approach. It, it, say the charity album or something came along and you had to cover Metallica. What song do you think you would do? What, what tune would best suit your voice? Ooh, man. Um... Man, let me think here for a second. Uh, you know, I'm going to say the thing that should not be. Ooh, that's kind of a deeper yeah. cut. Yeah, but you know what? If you think about it, like, that's right in my wheelhouse. Like, the whole vibe of the song, you know, everything about it. I think that would be actually a good one to do if I were going to do a Metallica song. And that's not an obvious tune either, but off of their perfect album, Master of Puppets. Yeah, which is, to me, that was, aside from the Black record, which is a different kind of record, really, but in terms of the, you know, the thrash speed metal records, Master Puppets, for me, is like the Holy Grail. It's their swan song, like, <laughs> album. It's just perfect. Yeah. All those songs on my record. You know, what's interesting is you pointing out the thing that should not be. A lot of the death metal dudes I talk to you point to that tune a lot and say, like, uh, there were some little inklings there, and that's the song that they gravitate to. So odd to hear that, that you picked that one, too, but rad at the same time. Yeah, no, I just, just, it's, just like a, it's just like a really eerie, heavy, really kind of simple song for them at that time, you know, because they were into playing things really fast and, you know, a lot of different changes and harmonizing guitars. And that one was kind of just more of a subdued, just like a Black Sabbath kind of jam. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time. Can't wait for the whiskey hey, show. my man. Yes, yes, yes. And stay in touch. Stay in touch. Definitely want to say hi at the whiskey show, and hopefully I'll get a chance to come up with Shauna and say hi real quick. Of course. 100%. You better. Beautiful, man. Cheers. All right, my man. I'll talk to you soon. See you there. Bye-bye. Peace. 
Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety. Available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.